This week on The Stack, it's all about men magazines. And what a varied selection we have. We speak with Herd Jonkers from the delightful Fantastic Man, Marc Beger and the English version of L'Etiquette, and a new title called Decent, a magazine for men by women. Enjoy the show. From Midori House in London, this is The Stack, 30 minutes of print industry analysis, and I am Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Coming up on the show, French menswear title, L'Etiquette, releases an issue in English. How wonderful. And Decent, a magazine for men, but made by women. But first on the show, a perennial favorite of mine, Fantastic Man. The respected man's title is loved by many and keeps pushing barriers issue by issue. In their latest spring-summer edition, the theme is Reuse, about the joy of old clothes and the joys of the pre-existing. Here is Hert with more. I, the, the theme, it was something that, you know, several of us in our team were thinking about uh, separately. So when we got together and sort of started talking about the theme, just the whole idea of secondhand and reuse and, uh, you know, just sort of like, go through a pile of stuff and find something that you like. It is something that we've always liked. So, um, and yes, this is, you know, when we started thinking about um, reuse and sustainability, and once you start reading into it, well, first of all, I mean, the, the subject is so big that, you know, where do you start, where do you end? Uh, we had no pretension to make the final encyclopedia on the theme, uh, also because it changes every day. And uh, I don't know about you, but my email box is literally every day full of companies that are now completely environmentally friendly. And uh, even though they're like the, the worst companies in the world, you know, so uh, there's a lot of bullshit around the um, issue. But, you know, it is something that we're all forced to think about. I mean, I think that's it. And then, you know, in the last year when we've all been stuck at home or most people are stuck at home I think we've also sort of started looking at the things we have already right and think like hmm do I need another t-shirt maybe not there's a whole pile here that I forgot about and that I haven't even worn yet or you know you sort of start rearranging your books and think like, oh there's actually 40 books that I haven't read yet and I'm quite interested in to read so you know the the, uh, the uh, re-admiring the things that you have is something we've always liked and I think that's always been close to Fantastic Man but it just felt like something that we felt like felt like exploring now and there's a you know and I think what I like about the issue that there's a certain obsessiveness to it you know there's several people that are quite obsessed with you know collecting things like the Carlo Banzi archive is like a crazy archive of collected menswear and uh, and little Yorty is a rapper that who sort of like obsessively collects vintage clothes, and uh, you just sort of find these obsessed people, which I like. It's funny you've mentioned the Carlo Manzi archive because I was going to tell you. I mean that article is fantastic, and and I had no idea about it. It's it's just incredible the amount of stuff. I want I want to go to the archive. Actually. I want to go too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious if they have sort of whole sections dedicated to my obsessions. And it's interesting with clothing, right, Hat, that 
I mean, even lockdown, I stayed more at home. I did actually had a look at my wardrobe and, and sometimes there are pieces I'm like, why haven't I wear this a bit more often? We're talking here about trousers. I mean, skinny jeans are kind of out and I, I realized I had a few pairs of white trousers and I was like, mm, maybe I should start wearing more often. But sometimes they're just kind of behind and you almost don't see that you have them. Did it happen to you in your own wardrobe? Oh, absolutely. You know, I've, I've totally been going through it and thinking, oh, wait, hold on. Why did I never wear this? So, um, I mean, the, the irony of it all is that I've not really worn much of it since because there's almost no much, not much reason to wear things these days, I think. I mean, yes, I don't go on the street naked, but, you know, there's, there's a comfort to uh, today we think like, you know, if I don't need, if I don't need to represent anything or I don't need to go anywhere formal, why would I wear something even vaguely formal? So, so the, the truth is that I'm just in, in jeans and a jumper and a pair of sneakers. But yeah, I have a couple of things lined up that are things like, hmm, you know, if the summer really starts and there's an event, you know, that's going to be my look. And I always mention the covers as well, but this one, what I love about it is very, oh gosh, I don't know how to explain, very theatrical in a way. I love kind of, you know, I know there's two different covers, but they kind of complement each other. Very, very interesting covers. Well, I mean, it's almost the same cover, right? Uh, I mean, since this is radio, uh, we probably have to tell people that it's uh, uh, Jürgen Teller uh, shot it and Jody Barnes styled it. And it's the young British painter, uh, George Rui on the cover. And he's wearing these looks that Jody sort of put together from a huge pile of clothes that he found at the local Oxfam store. So, um, so it is a sort of like, it's his take and it's the magazine's take on a new collection based on stuff. And you, you were mentioning kind of obsession in, 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 in this issue as well. And I love that even at the end, there's kind of republished kind of articles and, and even the paper made for those pages, they're kind of reusable paper that you guys had in the office. So I love that you went really deep into the idea. Well, I mean, that's, that's the fun thing of sort of making these themed issues is that we sort of, I mean, we make two issues per year. So we have six months to play with it. And of course, you know, we start with a sort of a rough idea and it, it gets more and more filled in. And yeah, the, the idea of sort of like republishing old texts was something that we started talking about quite early on, thinking, oh, shall we republish things from Fantastic Man? But then, you know, you sort of think about it a little bit more and think like, well, but we've already made a book once with Fiden. Uh, why would we sort of republish things again? And then we sort of thought, oh, maybe it's nice to republish things from other magazines or things that you've never seen or read. And only at the very last sort of like moment, we sort of, it really started to fall together and things started to really sort of like add up. I mean, I love that section. I think it's quite, it's very dense. It's very textual. It's a sort of weird mix of, I actually found an old piece that I wrote 20 years ago that I completely forgot about for a magazine called View on Color, uh, which is about these people that are trying to save money all the time by being as frugal as possible. And it sort of made complete sense for the issue and for the fact that it's a reuse. And then other things started falling in, like an Agnes Varda press release from 
2000 that sort of really made sense to us and we found a piece in butt magazine uh our own little brother uh about a sort of sock collector and uh, yeah you know, it and you know stuff from the wall street journal and the new york times and it's a fun bit and of course there, there's some interesting bits as well at the beginning that you guys did collaborations with uh, i believe kenzo and akini studios with some beautiful uh, photo shoots as well what was the idea behind of that do you think perhaps you wanted to show a little bit of new fashion as well or what was the kind of the plan for that well i mean obviously there's a there's a certain tension in being a fashion magazine and uh, and, and embracing old clothes uh, because we're in a, we're in an industry where new is the most important thing there is in a way i mean i don't think we always sort of like slavishly embrace that but but yeah you know i mean and and we're all excited about new things i mean uh, i i know you're a a news fan and a newspaper fan, and so am I. I mean, I'm, I find myself checking the news literally 25 times per day on my telephone these days. So, you know, we like new things and we like new clothes as much as we like old clothes. And, you know, I'm really proud to say that uh, I've kept my clothes, most of my clothes for the last 25 to 30 years, and I still go back to it sometimes. But that doesn't mean that I don't like a new thing sometimes. And so we've collaborated with a few brands on um, on the shoot and on, you know, sort of like showing their new things. That was Herd Yonkers from Fantastic Man and the latest issue is out now. And now for happy news for fans of French menswear title L'Etiquette. We covered the magazine when it was launched a few years ago. I remember back then I spoke to the title's editor, Marc Beger, if there are any plans for an English version. He didn't know at the time, but here it is. What I like about L'Etiquette is the attention dedicated to clothes with the details you need to know. To tell us a bit more about their new English edition, here is Marc Beger. We were surprised by the fact that so many people would ask us to, to, to do it in English. So it wasn't the original plane. We, we, we just wanted to do a French magazine and we, we did it for five issues. But uh, at some point we realized that really people wanted it also in English. Uh, obviously an image that has got a lot of, um, a magazine that has got a lot of images in it can be can be read in any language, but we also do publish quite a lot of articles, and I think it's it's a big part of, of the feeling that you have when you you read the magazine. You just don't watch the images; you also read the text. So um, we were frustrated that that readers in England in the United States would only see the pictures and not be able to read the text. So. Um, was a bit of a frustration that that we got rid of by by doing an English edition. Uh, so, ninety nine percent of the of the content is is the same as the French issue. Actually, there are two more fashion images in the English uh, edition of it, and one more article. So, the English edition is even more complete than the French one because 
because one advertiser would only be in the French edition and not in the English one. So we had, we had to adjust just uh, those very small details. But uh, yes, the English edition is the same as the French one, and, and, and English readers seem to, to like it just as much. And it's, it's, it was uh, really something that we worked on, because you just don't translate the text, you, you adapt them, you have to make them more, you have to make the whole magazine more English-friendly uh, in a way. It's not just the words, it's a bit of the, the spirit of it, and uh, thankfully... Hopefully, it's not. Uh, it's it's well done. Well, people will say, readers will say it or not. And it's nice that uh, in the editorial piece, basically you've you guys used the same editorial as as in the first issue of Lit Cat, just to kind of perhaps introduce the magazine properly to this new. Yeah, yeah. I wanted the the first words of the English edition to be basically the, the same first words that we had in the French issue because. It's important that you tell your readers who you are and what you want to do. So we we use the same editorial that um, that we had in the first inaugural interview in France to tell people that it wasn't just any fashion magazine that they would be reading. That it was uh, a magazine that would aim at making fashion clothes a culture rather than just an industry that we loved clothes, that we liked brands, that we were independent in a way in, in what we liked and what we chose to, to feature in the magazine. So we wanted to clearly say that. So it's it, because it's when you start a relation to, to, to someone, to, to readers, you have to, to make clear what you promise them. And so they are able to, to know where we, we are going together and also tell you at some point if you, you, you betray the original promise so that's what we we did here and you know to reintroduce to some of our stack listeners who might know Letiquette as well I do agree with you that it is a magazine about clothes and sometimes I do miss that because you know of course I'm interested in fashion but but sometimes you see the, the shoots and you're like okay I'm not sure if I want to wear that but with Letiquette to be honest I kind of I just want to buy literally everything, yeah. you know. Probably I'll be poor every time I read the yeah. cat. Yeah, so some, some people have told us, I mean, uh, after each issue, some guys tell me, oh, you, you're making me poor every issue you get out, I want to buy stuff. And even ourselves, when we do the shooting sessions, we end up getting you know, like an impulse to buy stuff that we, we see on the shoot. And, and uh, well, it's, it's, I take it as a compliment. We want to feature clothes that we would be able to wear ourselves. Uh, so clothes that would be wearable um, some of them are very stylish some of them more common but the idea is to is to to have only outfits that would work in real life for people that, that have a real life I and mean, for people that don't necessarily work in fashion that don't necessarily spend all their life thinking about the way they, they, they look the dress and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really the, the core idea of Litiquette, uh, featuring clothes that you would wear without looking ridiculous. And, and in terms of dates, Mark, correct me, because we just got copies uh, around London yeah, yeah. Uh, this week. It, it, their launch is more or less yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, actually, uh, we launched the magazine in, in France uh, on the 8th of April. 
and the English edition was printed basically at the same time. But it takes time for, for copies to arrive all around the, the world. So, yeah, basically the magazine is arriving now uh, abroad. Uh, in England, in the United States, we get also a lot of orders straight from from us, so that we we sent the magazine two weeks ago, and and people have been getting them now in in, uh, in the United States, also in, in England. So yeah, the launch is is now. Ideally, we would have liked to to be able to to do events uh, in England, in in the United States, in, in Japan, to be able to to bring some copy with us to organize like a small tour, but um, maybe next time when we, we are in a more friendly period. No, I, I look forward to that. And, and finally, yeah. Mark, I just want to check the state kind of magazines in France. I say the state of Litcat because, you know, the, the magazine was quite a daring launch at the time. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's still going strong. How's it going? Because I know you're, you're also involved with other magazines, not only just... Yeah, we, we, are, we are basically a small... Well, small. We are getting big. We are a, an independent uh, press group called Sopress. We have been doing magazines for 15 years. We started with a football magazine called SoFoot. And uh, it's now the biggest football magazine in France. We do also a, a movie magazine. We do a news magazine. We do like 10 magazines, basically. And L'Etiquette was the first magazine based on, on fashion and style that we, we launched. So we have magazine doing well. We have some doing very well. It's, it's, it's obviously a competitive market. And I mean, people don't buy as much magazine as we would like, obviously, and as they did in the past. But, you know, we, we small, we all work a lot. And um, we manage to keep developing, to keep uh, launching new magazines. So it's a proof that it works. It can work when all the energy of people, journalists, get into making the magazine, not some kind of politics of, of, or marketing that you, you get in some media group. So Litiquette is doing very well. We are launching a website uh, with some exclusive content. We are launching um, also to... to for the to go with the website an e-shop uh, where we will sell things like i can't say but it, it will be cool and, and exciting i think we're working on it very hard and it will be ready for yeah, the the website will be ready for june and the the, the e-shop part of it will be ready for september and um, yeah obviously obviously it will, it will it will be quality i mean that's the main thing if it works it's <laughs> even better but uh, what I am obsessed with is, is making good things. That was Marc Beget from Litticat, and their latest issue, in English or French, is out now. And to end the stack, another title aimed at man. It's called Decent, and they have recently launched their first edition. The title is all made by women, and it brought a new sensibility to how masculinity is covered. The first issue have topics ranging from the importance of nightlife for queer communities to the future of the once hyper-masculine culture of hip-hop. I spoke with Decent's editor-in-chief, Maria Kivima, for more. As the title says, we are a so-called men's magazine, but we are created and curated just by women. And the idea is to have this kind of creative, diverse collective of women to help explore what it means to be a man these days. And kind of with all the talk about masculinity being toxic, 
we kind of wanted to offer a positive and fresh point of view on on the discussion and we definitely don't have the answers here we don't know what it means to be a man in 2021 but kind of as women we've we've had the joy and the and the pain and the effort to kind of progress what it means to be a woman in recent years and when feminism has taken huge leaps there's at the same time masculinity really hasn't been redefined the same way so we just thought maybe we could kind of lend our creativity and and some fresh insights and help open the conversation a little bit more when you were discussing you know ideas you know to launch the publication were you worried how it would be perceived you know this kind of magazine made by women but but for men and and by the way which is quite silly as well because look at you know the editor of british vogue i mean he's a man so i i think actually it only adds kind of new layers to it but but were there any kind of anxieties uh, about it? that's a really good question and i think yes i wouldn't say anxieties but we did obviously think about like okay could this what 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 does it look like to the outside world and kind of we, when we tested the original idea we did get a few comments like well isn't that a bit sexist but then i kind of think you have to look at the context and you look it's not just okay this is from men to women but it's open up opening up the dialogue and i think one thing that we really wanted to do was was to kind of turn the um turn the power structure around a little bit and turn the kind of what we usually have male gaze then turn that around a little bit, but we didn't want to do it in an objectifying way at all because we, as women, we know how damaging that is. So we kind of wanted to put women behind the camera and men in front of it. It was more kind of like just to reveal some things that have not been seen before maybe and kind of encourage, for example, vulnerability and softness for guys. So yes, back to your question, we did kind of think about it, but we were quite, quite certain that we could, we could do it in a really, really kind of sophisticated way, maybe. And then we also did get so much like a really encouraging feedback in the early, early stages of the ideation that we were like, yeah, we probably hit something, something quite interesting here. And Maria, it says here, uh, kind of on a masthead saying that you are an ex music journalist, but that music aspect still a little bit in the magazine, there's some lovely stories about uh, kind of hip hop, how it's kind of removing kind of that match macho vibes from previous decades in a way. Yeah, as well. definitely. We actually um, got a few questions early on, like, "Are oh, you a music magazine?" And then realized that okay, it is quite music heavy. But I think maybe my background as music journalist had something to do with it. But I also just think that music today is you can't really put like different areas of culture in kind of rank them but i think music is just absolutely everywhere and right now it is one of the biggest forces of change in culture as well so i think quite naturally it just feels like music is everywhere and it's speaking about the change and it's kind of it's a really accessible kind of form of culture and to talk about these things as well and of course, issue one has been out for a few weeks now as well. And, and it's been a success. I think the, the first part has been a few sold out uh, copies. I mean, how is it going? I mean, is it still available if one of our listeners would like to buy the first issue or, or they might have to wait for the second yeah. one, which is also it exciting. It is also exciting. Like, yeah, it's been, it's been great like to kind of, yeah, just see how much interest there has been. And obviously... London, which, which is our base, like uh, we came out just before Christmas and it was a day before we went back into lockdown. So we were in the shelves of some of the magazine shops for one day. But now we've been back on the shelves for like some weeks now. We've sold out online 
However, if there is someone who really wants it, uh, we have put aside a pile of kind of PR copies and just give us a shout, give us a DM on, on Instagram and we can definitely kind of, yeah, sell a coffee or two for a few more people. But then Mag Culture and Magma and a few other shops in Soho definitely should have us. And, you know, I, I think this is the kind of magazine that would work, you know, even in other countries, you know, as well, because it's quite universal in a way. It doesn't, it doesn't feel as well too London-centric. Yeah. Uh, perhaps even in Finland. where, where No, where definitely. And actually, one of the covers um, does have two Finnish people on the cover, which is the one that has multiple kind of yearbook-style photos. So there's a, there's a couple of Finns in there. Um, and yeah, it's definitely, I think these conversations are, are being had in, in so many other places. And we've had lots of queries from especially Paris and also New York and even from Australia and New Zealand. And unfortunately, like this is again a broken record, but the COVID has, has kind of put some of that world conquering plan on hold. But I think the theme and the topic and the interest is still there. So with our uh, website, which is going to launch soon, and the issue number um, two, which is later on this year, we're really hoping to kind of expand our uh, geographical presence as well. It's interesting you mentioned COVID because, you know, yeah, of course, it's been very difficult. And you, as you rightly said, your magazine was one day in the newsstand and suddenly, you know, everything went into lockdown. But, but it's, it's at the same time, you know, it's, it's quite brave. And I think it, it might pay off because people... They, are, they might be locked up in their homes, but they're still interested in seeing new content, especially with distance as well. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. And especially because mental health is quite a big part of the magazine and it's really, if not the dearest kind of topic closest to our hearts. And I think that's obviously been a huge issue in the past year. So I think in that sense, we're hoping to kind of, again, create a bit more space to have these difficult conversations, which is much needed right now and will be for, for a long time after this crazy year that we've just had. Maybe a question, why Decent again? I mean, it's a lovely name, but what's the idea behind it? Oh, I wish I had a hugely engaging and brilliant story <laughs> for you here. Like we, we went through a lot of names and I'm sure I can reveal like we almost got called Barbershop which would be really lovely. And we kind of really like the notion of a barbershop being a kind of that physical space where guys go and they have like chat with their barber and open up a little bit. And hence the back page feature is kind of conversations in a barbershop. But then we kind of just last minute, we decided that, okay, we probably need something a bit less special and kind of something a bit more, a bit punchier, a bit easier on the tongue and, you know, then there's a uh, kind of saying like, okay, you don't have to do great. You don't have to be winner. You don't have to do this and that. Just be a decent human being. And I think that's for men and women equally and everyone in between. And I think that's where it kind of comes down to just being a decent human being. It's not, ultimately, it's not about being a certain type of man or a certain type of woman. It's just, let's just be decent human beings. And, and yeah, we'll all have a bit of better time. That was Maria Kivima there from Decent Magazine. That's it for this week's show. My thanks to our editor, Nora Hall. And if you have any comments or queries, feel free to write to me, Fernando, at fpandmonaco.com. And remember, we're back next Saturday at the same time, and we can always listen to it again and subscribe at monaco.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And before we go, a little song for you. Patrick Cowley featuring Sylvester with Man Energy.
You've been listening to The Stack. I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Until next time, it's goodbye from me.